Good morning. What is rhythm? Rhythm is that underlying pattern or tempo or flow that gets your toes tapping, your hands clapping, your, move, your body moving as it moves you through a piece of music. Have you ever noticed that if you change the underlying rhythm of a piece of music, you can shift it from country to jazz to rock and roll? In the same way, our lives follow the flow of a specific rhythm. And when that flow leads to our flourishing, when it leads us to a life that is good, it might just make you want to say that everything is awesome. Check it out. Ah, here it is. Instructions to fit in, have everybody like you, and always be happy. Step one, breathe. Okay, got that one down. Step two, greet the day's smile and say, Good morning, city! Step three, exercise. Jumping jacks, hit them. One, two, three. I am so pumped up! Step 12, obey all traffic signs and regulations. Step 13, enjoy popular music. Jump the charts again, it's everything is awesome. Oh my gosh, I love this song! Everything is awesome. Everything is cool, Turn signal, park between the lines, yes! Drop off dry cleaning before noon, read the headlines, don't forget to smile, always root for the local sports team. Sports team! Always return a compliment. Hey, you look nice. So do you. Drink overpriced coffee. There you go, that's $37. Wow, awesome! me, that song will now be stuck in your head probably for the rest of the day, and you'll be singing, everything is awesome. As we get started, I would like to read our scriptures for the morning so it can start to percolate in our minds and our hearts this morning. Reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 9, starting in verse 24. Do you not know the inner race all runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like, one who, like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and I make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Let us pray. Father, as we come together this morning and we talk about running and races and rhythm, Lord, I ask that you would open our hearts and minds to what we need to hear from you today. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing to you. Amen. To run a race, 
You need to find your rhythm. If you're a runner, you know this, especially when it comes to long races. Back in 2012, I was recovering from surgery, and I wasn't allowed to do a lot of heavy lifting, and I needed to get myself moving. A couple months of recovery on the couch was not doing good things. So I decided to run. And I decided if I was going to do it, I was going to make it worthwhile. So I signed up for a race. And like every person who is recovering from decently major surgery, I decided the most appropriate line of action was to register for a half marathon. Specifically, the rock and roll half marathon. And as soon as I did that, I realized I do not have the first clue about how to make my body run for 13.1 miles. Because if I'm going to run this race, I want to run it. I don't want to walk it. That's a long way. I want to be done as quickly as possible. I need to run. So I called my friend Robert. And I said, Robert, you run marathons for fun. What do I do? How do I make my body run 13.1 miles? And so he helped me. He gave me a training schedule with long runs and short runs and tempo runs and hill runs and rest days. And slowly but surely, as I followed his plan, I fell into a rhythm of running that increased my endurance, increased my distance, it made me faster, and I was able to run. That week before a race is a kind of a magical week in the life of an endurance runner. It's called rest week, and it's full of short and slow runs that are designed to keep your muscles moving. You're not trying to get faster. You're not trying to run longer. You're just trying to keep your muscles nice and relaxed and ready to go so that come race day, you're ready to run. It was also an especially good week because the humidity had broken. It was next to no humidity in the morning, and it was like 70 degrees at 7 o'clock in the morning, and I was ecstatic that that race was going to be cool and easy. Well, anyone who ran the rock and roll in 2012 remembers two days before the race, a tropical system moves in offshore. We didn't get any of the rain, but we got every ounce of the humidity, and so 7 o'clock on race day, it's as close to 100% humidity as you can get, and I think it was over 80 degrees already. It was hot. But I was there to run. And so I stood and I waited. The gun went off, and we started to run. We have a picture up here of me running. This is very clearly early on in the race because I'm still smiling. (laughs) And I don't think that I'm drenched from head to foot yet. But I ran, and the first number of miles went really well. I fell into rhythm. I found that rhythm that I had been training for, and I just went. And it was good, and it was easy, and I was enjoying myself. And then I hit mile 11 or so, and all of a sudden my feet said, done. I lost my stride. I lost my rhythm. I could barely walk, let alone run. One of Mac's friends happened to be running the race, and she saw me, and she came up beside me, and she said, Melissa, what are you doing? And I said, I can't run. I'm done. My body is done. I, can't, I can barely walk to the end. She's like, you're less than two miles. You're not walking. You're running. And she grabbed me by the arm, and she pulled me, I think, for about a mile and a half before she finally said enough and kept going on her own. I had lost my rhythm. But then I got to the boardwalk, And there was Robert. 
He said, hey, how you doing? And I said, not good. I was like, I can't, I can't run the end of this. I know it's close, but I have to walk. I can't do this. He's like, you train for this. You can run this. I said, no, I can't. He said, um, I don't know the word can't. We're running. And so he picked up beside me, and he started running with me. And he started reminding me of my training, and he started encouraging me. And somewhere along the lines, I found my rhythm. And when he realized that I had found my rhythm, he blessed me to go on by myself, and I finished the race. And it was one of the most exciting days that I think I have. I still have my medal from finishing that race. The city of Corinth is a city that knew a thing or two about training for a rhythm to run a race. Every two years in the spring, Corinth hosted the Isthmian Games. They were second in fame only to the Olympics. You can compete in running, boxing, wrestling, chariot racing. And like every good athletic competition, there were also, um, there were also competitions in music and poetry. I'm not quite sure how they went together, but they did. And people would travel from miles around just to be there and, and compete. These games were so important that if Corinth was at a war with a city that had athletes who would come and compete, they would call a truce on their war for the duration of the games so athletes could get there, compete, and go home safely. These were a big deal. And so if you wanted to compete in these games, you went into training for at least 10 months before the day of your race. And you had to show proof that you had been in training. Come race day, you would assemble with all the other competitors and you would listen to the herald of your games. And he would stand in front of everybody, all the runners or boxers, and he would say, these are the rules. You need to play, along, you need to play by these rules or you will be disqualified from the race. Everyone would listen. They would take their, take their positions on the starting line. The race would start, and they would run. They would use every ounce of their stamina, every ounce of their strength, every ounce of their mental ability to push themselves through any walls that they found, because when they got to the end of the race, there was the victor, and everyone else lost. There was no bronze, silver, and gold. There was no runners-up. There was a victor. And when they won, they were crowned the victor of the games. And that crown was made from dried celery that was woven together in a crown. Later, when Rome took over um, Greece and the games continued, that became, um, it was woven out of pine instead. Now, I don't know about you, but things in my life tend to get, or things in my world tend to get brokered or just, like, misplaced. And so I don't think that a crown of celery necessarily lasted that long. It would eventually fall apart unless you took very, very good care of it. So if you were going to run, and you were going to win this crown, and you were going you to protect that if you won, but you were going to put everything into it. Because if you want to run a race, you need to find your rhythm, but you need to train for the rhythm that you want. You need to train for that winning rhythm. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24, Paul writes, do you, not row, do you not know that in a race all runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Paul is calling us out of the spectator stands. He's calling us to an intentional life. He's calling you to live your life on purpose and live it so that it counts. 
He's saying, get out of the spectator stands and run your race. In verse 25, everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. So as you win your race, or as you run your race, the question is, what is your focus? What are you running for? Every single one of us runs our race, the race of our life, and lives out the rhythm of our lives with a specific focus or goal underneath. The trick is, either we choose that goal ourselves, or it ends up getting chosen for us for the world around us, by the world around us. So as you run this race called life, as you live it out, as you go through its rhythms, are you running for something that will endure? Are you running to give your life eternal significance, or are you running for something that will ultimately fade? For Paul, everything came down to the gospel of Christ. Everything. Throughout his letters, you will see the expression, the gospel of Christ. I don't know if you know this, but that word gospel originally meant that someone would go into the, the, the market square, assemble all the people, and he would proclaim the gospel of their emperor of Rome. He would proclaim the glories and the good news of all these victories that the emperor of Rome had brought about so that people would bow down and they would worship him. And so as Paul talks about the gospel of Christ, and as we see that expression, they're talking about the good news, the glories, the announcements of the emperor of the universe. And when we look at what Jesus himself said about why he was here, we read things like this in John 5. He says, I came with the authority of the Father. He came with the authority of the the emperor of the universe. I came so that they can have real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of, in John 10. I was born and entered the world that I could witness to the truth, in John 18. And at the very beginning of Jesus' ministry, just after he was baptized by John the Baptist, Jesus said this. He says, God's kingdom is here. Change your life and believe. Jesus' ministry was all about announcing the advent of the kingdom of God, that it is here right now and we can have access to it. God's kingdom exists and extends everywhere where his rule exists. And all we need to is but believe and allow that reality to work into our lives and to change our lives. And to allow kingdom rhythms to start to influence how we live those lives out. In verse 26, Paul says, Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly, I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and I make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Paul is setting himself up like the herald of the games, like the announcer of the games. He's saying my role is, or one of my roles are, is that I am to proclaim the realities of life in God's kingdom. I am to proclaim the rules, so to speak, that we are to live by. 
but I want to make sure that I'm not just talking the talk. I want to walk the walk. So I am going to live a life of discipline. I'm going to live a life of rhythm. So it doesn't matter whether you're looking at me as a preacher, whether you're looking at me in my day job for Paul that was a tent maker, whether he is in prison for his faith, whether he's traveling on the ship, whether he's walking down the road, whether he's going about his business of finding food and water and stuff to drink. It didn't matter what aspect of his life you looked at because he lived a life of discipline. He lived a life of rhythm, and that rhythm was founded on the realities of the kingdom of God. And so we are called to practice kingdom rhythms. Well, what does that mean? It starts by creating a a soul rhythm. One of the things that always sticks out to me when I read through the Gospels is the number of times that I read that Jesus withdrew to a quiet place to pray. If there is ever a man or woman, but a man in history, who probably didn't need to pray, you would think it would be God himself. But God took, or Jesus took the time from his busy schedule of healing and teaching and proclaiming, and he stepped back, and he was present with God, the Father, and he prayed. And he is replenished and rejuvenated. That time was important to him. If that time was important to Jesus, how much more is it important to each one of us who are not perfect, who need help figuring out what it means to live a life by the rhythms of the kingdom? We need that time. And so we need to start building regular, dependable, focused, um, routine times into our schedules that we can be connecting with God, that we can be learning from him the rhythms of the kingdom. And as we spend that time with him, ideally every day or as many days a week as you can get it, when and how you do that is going to depend on you. Each one of us is is wired differently. There are some people who spend this time first thing in the morning and they thrive on it. I am not a morning person. If I were to spend my time with God first thing in the morning, and when I've tried that, I cannot focus. I am so sleep-addled in my brain that there's no way that I can really dig into what I'm reading or focus on my prayers. So I need to get out of the house work out, and then come back, and then I can spend time focusing because my brain has woke up, woken up and, and I'm ready to interact with God and be present with him. When you do this depends on you, and what it looks like depends on how God's wired you, but there are some basics. One, spend time reading your Bible. We need to know how God has revealed himself to his people on the pages of this book. We need to see how he interacted with himself. We need to to read the truths that he proclaims and that he teaches us so that they can begin, these words from centuries gone past can begin to speak into our lives today. And as we learn to hear God's voice through the pages of scripture, we'll start to hear his voice as we go about our day-to-day life. We need to spend time in prayer. Prayer is that open line of communication between us and God. And we need to develop just like we would develop the conversation and the relationship with any of the people that are in our lives. Those people that are closest to you are close to you because you figured out how to talk to them, how to spend time with them, how to share about your day and listen to them. And so in prayer, we need to treat that relationship the same time. 
We need to treat it as training because the rhythms of prayer take time to learn and develop. So talk to God. Tell him about your day, every aspect of your day. Talk to him about your schedule. Tell him what you're excited about. Talk to him about your accomplishments and celebrate them with him. Talk about those things that you're stressed about, those days in your week that completely overwhelm you and leave you completely dry. Invite God into the rhythms of your business. Invite God into the rhythms of your family. He knows what's going on, but talk to him about it. And then spend time silently listening. Our culture is very good at being busy and being hurried. Those of you who carry a smartphone know this. There are days where I'm sure your phone makes noise every 30 seconds or so. Some days it's as slow as five minutes. But our smartphones are constantly calling our attention. And often we're so hurried that we don't even realize that when we sit down to talk to friends, we're not necessarily truly present because we're listening for that sound. Or we're going through in the back of our head all these other things that we need to get done during the day. So it's hard for us to push the pause button to sit and be present in front of them. And it's even more hard, it's even harder for us to push that pause button and to be present before God. And so we need to practice that and allow him to speak. And the more that we practice listening, whether it's in silence or just being aware as we go through our day for different patterns. For me, I find God speaks to me in patterns. I'll have multiple people who talk to me about the same theme, and there'll be a pattern of what I'm hearing throughout the day or the week when God speaks. But I need to be practicing listening if I'm going to pick up on that. We need, to, we need to pray and spend time with God. We need to spend time reading soul-inspiring books. There are men and women of faith who have written for centuries and are still writing today who have boundless amounts of wisdom to share with us about what it means to live in the kingdom of God, about what it means to get to know God and to grow in relationship with him. They'll help us understand who he is and how that impacts our life on a day-to-day basis. And as we read, we need to take time to sit and savor. Don't get through it as quickly as possible because there's stuff to do. Savor what you're reading. Think about it. Ponder it. Ask God how, what to take out of your scripture or the books that you're reading, and what does it mean in your life? How do you apply what you're reading? We need this regular rhythm of connecting with God because it is that regular rhythm that is going to carry us through those hardest times in our life. Living a, kingdom, a, a life based on the rhythm of the kingdom does not mean that suddenly everything is going to go perfect. It doesn't mean that suddenly your business is going to be amazing and you're going to have more clients than you know what to do with. It doesn't mean that suddenly you're going to get A's in all your subjects. It means that you have a rhythm to carry, your, carry you through the different aspects of the life that you've been called to live. So when, that, when those disappointments come, when pain shows up, when sorrow strikes, when you get a diagnosis from the doctor that is too heavy to carry, you have developed a rhythm of being in connection with God and hearing with him so that you're able to get through it. And on those days where you hit the wall and you cannot find your stride again, you will find that God brings people alongside you to encourage you, to remind you of who you are in him, to remind you of the rhythm that you have trained for. 
And as we develop this soul rhythm, as we develop this connection with him, we'll find that it starts to influence other parts of our lives. It influences how we spend time with the people around us because we've learned what it means to be present with God so we can be present with our spouse and our kids and our friends and our clients and our teachers and others. It will influence how we structure our time um, with our families or, or for our kids. If you're a parent, you know that kids do best when they have a structure that they follow. They know what's coming. They can depend on that. Guess what? As adults, we need that too. We need that structure to really flourish because it becomes dependable. You start to see as you go into your business and you are thinking about your business and asking God, what does it mean to run my business or do my job or or go to school and do my studies according to the rhythm of life in your kingdom, that it will start to influence how you interact with the people that come across your path. It may start to interact or influence the different business decisions that you made so they're ones of integrity. You may find yourself shutting off those things that can distract you like Facebook and social media or texting, they can draw your attention away from your work so that when you're at work, you can be productive. But then when it's time to go home because you have worked hard all day, you can leave your work there and go home and be present with your family. Rhythm in the kingdom does not mean being so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. It means learning to tap into what God's doing, what his rhythm already is, so that you can be part of a greater symphony. I'm guessing that there's probably a few of you who are listening to me and saying, you know what, I hear what you're saying, but my relationship with God is more fluid. It's more, it's more organic. It just kind of flows. I don't need that dedicated time. I don't need to be super structured. My life is going pretty well the way it is right now, and I don't need to have all of that rhythm. I'm more like improv jazz, maybe. And I hear you. There is a reality to life that we were created for, for rhythm in God's kingdom, and so as we as we try to focus on him and we call on his name, we will start to see him popping out in different aspects of our lives just by nature of saying, God, I believe. I want to be part of your kingdom and I want to see you move. And we'll start to see that. But just as Michael Jordan, who was probably, he's probably one of the best basketball players ever. Not probably, he is one of the best basketball players ever. My guess is that he was very naturally inclined to basketball. My guess is he was a natural athlete before he ever stepped foot on a basketball court for the first time. But he loved basketball. He wanted to be the best basketball player, and so he trained for that. His natural talent would have only taken him so far, and he probably never would have made the NBA if he just relied on his natural talent. He trained. He created a rhythm in his life that allowed him to excel. The reality is, is that as we run our race, we need to find a rhythm because the re- as we live life, there is a rhythm to it. It's either we choose it or it's something that's chosen for us. The question becomes, do you want to run a race? Do you want to live a rhythm that is of eternal significance? Or are you running a race for something that will eventually fade? Money power, influence, beauty, youth. 
We can't take any of that with us. And it is as that we train for life in the kingdom that we realize that kingdom rhythms build a life that flourishes. I read this earlier. In John chapter 10, Jesus says, I came so that they can have real and eternal life, more and better than they ever dreamed of. That is a life that doesn't come by accident. It is a life that is built. It is a life that is prepared for and that is trained. You were built for a life that flourishes. You were designed for a life that flourishes. A life that flourishes knows what it is to be content, whether you have a lot or a little, whether things are going your way or things seem to be going against you. A life that flourishes is a life that is marked by love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and self-control. A life that flourishes is one that is not subject to the tyranny of busy and hurry and self, but is freed to be exactly what God has created you to be. A life that, is, that flourishes is a life that is connected with God in the rhythms of his kingdom. And I wish that I could give you a three-point step as to how exactly how to build that in your life. It would be so much easier if it worked that way. The reality is, is that each one of us is built uniquely. Each one of us is created differently. We have our own passions. We have our own dreams. We have our own strengths and weaknesses, our own fears and failures and accomplishments and things that we can do. We have our own purposes. And so the way that rhythm looks is going to be different for each person. What I can do is I can tell you that when you go home and you take those t- that time, that dedicated time to focus on God and be present with him, when you ask him, Lord, what is the underlying goals that my life is really about right now? Why am I doing the things that I'm doing? And we stop just doing stuff because that's what's expected or that's what's laid out, but we start intentionally running the race of our lives. When we start intentionally questioning, Lord, what does it look like to live by your rhythm at work? What does it look like to live by your rhythm with my family? What does it look like to live by your rhythm as I train and I feed and fuel my body? We will see that God will start to open up doors and give us wisdom. To run a race, you need to find your rhythm. Only you can decide what rhythm you want because either you will choose it or eventually it will be by default chosen for us by the people around us and we'll be running to their goals. I want to encourage you this morning to run a race that is according to rhythms of the kingdom. Find your kingdom rhythm. Find your soul rhythms. Find those things that breathe life into you so that you can flourish. Because it is those kingdom rhythms that truly do build a life that flourishes. Let us pray. Father, we thank you that you have built us for a life that flourishes in you. That you have built us according to your promises and according to your purposes so that we can enjoy life in your kingdom and life that flows according to the rhythm 
of your kingdom. Lord, I thank you that you have opened the door through the death and resurrection of your son, that we can partake in all of the blessings of who you are, that you give us love and joy and peace. You teach us how to be content, and when we hit the wall, you give us a way to get through and people to support us as we do. God, I ask as we go from this place this morning that that you would be opening our eyes to the rhythm of life with you, that you would be showing us new and deeper ways that we can be connecting with you and making our life's rhythm work and be in tandem with your life's rhythm and be part of the symphony of your plan. Lord, we pray these things in your name. Amen.